Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Hey, let me just pray. Just pray for uh, our this, this message. Um, I, bless Mike. You get a new car, Father. <laughs> Oh, Father, we are so happy to be here worshiping you. Worship was awesome, Father. I'm just, it was awesome. I'm just so happy. So happy that we get to worship you, God. Oh, man, the worship was so good. It was just so free, and it was just, it had no, it had no hindrances. There was nothing attached to it. It was just this, this free gift we got to step into. Oh, Lord, I thank you for this dream of being in a company of people that just give everything to you, God. All their hearts, all their worship, their praise. What a, what a gift. What a gift, God. <laughs> we get to do the, the, the things that you asked us to do in the context of this beautiful family. I'm so thankful, God. Help me and just the message you've given me and um, that, uh, that it would come out and people would grab a hold of the parts they're supposed to grab a hold of, God. Holy Spirit, just love us well. Amen. Uh, I know I'm, I'm Rick that was awesome by the way I loved what you did dude I was just closing my eyes just thinking man this man he's just wrecking me I loved it um, by the way I think your voice you should literally start doing voiceovers it was just something about your voice I was like this is like Jesus speaking to me <laughs> okay hey um that, you know, as, as joyful as I am, there's, there's, no, there's no tension in being joyful in the midst of a battle. I just want to say that right now. It's not like I'm happy. Now let's get serious. Like, there's joy in walking through the battle, okay? There's no, like, uh, we don't switch from a joyful song to a deep song, and, and we all have to change gears. No, it's just all, it's all in Him. We can be joyful, and, and I was just thinking about this. We're all joyful, and now we're, like, kneeling before the throne. I'm like, yeah. Let's go, like throw our crowns with joy, with a smile on our face. And, and so there's, there's a place that, so I, I really believe as joyful as I am right now and as, as I want us to all be, I think you guys are, you guys give me a run for my money. Um, I, I believe we're going into some of the most craziest chaotic times we've ever seen. Somebody, um, a friend of mine sent me, uh, show, showed me a video clip of, uh, of Mike Bickle. And, uh, and he was up there. I, I'm a big fan of Mike Bickle. I used to follow him in the prayer movement. Man, Mike Bickle, dude, this guy was legit. Like, he literally, like, he would, he would teach you how to manage your day and manage your world to the 15-minute markers, like 10-minute markers. He was intense. And so, um, uh, uh, and so I, I remember I was watching this, and I was just bringing back all these great memories of, of Mike. And, and, um, and he's sharing, a, he's being interviewed like days ago about the coming season. And he said this one thing that I just want to say, and it, and it stopped me. And you don't have to grab a hold of this if you think it's not true. But I felt in my spirit there was some truth to this. And he said, he says, he says right now, these days that we're in right now are going to be some of the, mo- the most calmest times that we're going to be experiencing for a long time. And I heard that, I'm like, no, no, you, you said that wrong. <laughs> you, mean, you mean we're entering into the calmest? No. And I was like, I was, I was a little, um, oh, what's the word? I was, uh, I was, I, I can't think of the word, but I was not humbled, but I was, 
I was sitting in a place of like, wow, I'm, it, it just grabbed me. It grabbed me. I'm like, wow, if, if that's true, and, and, and if you look around, it's not, it's not not true. <laughs> and I, you, have to be able, you, have to, you have to have a place of, of just solemnness to recognize, like, we're walking into some pretty turbulent times. I think we've already walked through. So the fact that this great leader in, 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 in the church right now is saying, this is the calm. You're like, oh, dang. <laughs> Let's laugh about that. And so, uh, and so honestly, in my heart, when I think about pre- preaching and, and, and sharing with the family, I think about how do I prepare this family to walk in this next season and come out on the other side not thrashed, right? Not, not infighting, bickering. You guys have kids? They, yeah. So, but I want, I want to walk through this in such a way that we come out smelling like beautiful, <laughs> like beautiful incense, because we walk through it with, with joy, with maturity, with authority. And so t- today I want to talk a little bit about authority, and then I want to talk about something else with that. Um, but first I want to share a quick story about chickens. <laughs> I love stories. I think stories are a lot of fun on Sunday mornings. And so Jessica said I could tell the story. Uh, so if you don't know us, you've been in our house and come to our house next Thursday, but apparently you have to RSVP today. Um, and we, we have chickens. We have a chicken coop. We have, at one point, we have four, we have four chickens. Um, and one of them, I uh, think this last season, died. We don't know why. She got sick, stopped moving, super sad. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. She just died. This was Hawk, right? It was Hawk. Yeah, and Hawk was my chicken. All right? I named Hawk. Okay. Hawk was mine. Hawk died. Very sad. And so we ended up burying Hawk um, out in the backyard. And so to make up for this, we went to Arizona and we got two new chickens with, from our friends. And um, they were really great chickens. One was a frizzle. You'll see the frizzle one. Um, we named her Saber, like a lightsaber. Our son, August. And the other one was named um, Star. Yeah, my daughter named it Star. And so we had these great two chickens, and they were really, they were juvenile, and they grew up, and they started laying eggs. First saber, right? First saber started laying eggs, the cutest little eggs. She's a little smaller. And, um, and, and, then, and then Star goes to lay her first egg. And after she laid her first egg, <laughs> Star passed away. It's not funny at all. It's not funny. <laughs> we don't know. Some faces back there. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, some younger people in the room. It was a very sad moment. It's very sad. This is the second chicken, people, and we don't even know why they're dying. First one got sick, but we couldn't fix it. Tried to. Second one, they just, I don't know if the egg was too big. I don't know what to do about that. All right? <laughs> and so Jessica is feeling, feeling not like a good chicken mama, right? She's feeling like I am miserable at mothering chickens, right? Like we had, we walked through this. We had some transformation moments, some sozo. And so right away, we've lost two chickens. We need two more. So we went to the feed barn, she did, and got two new chickens, little chickies, little small ones. Um, we're still not sure if they're roosters or not because you can't guarantee these type of chickens. But, so they're, they're, they're starting to grow, and they're, they're cute. They're like this big. You just, I wish I had pictures. I'm not, I'm not there yet. 
Um, I will get to pictures and, and, and props. Um, and so we're, you know, the, probably about a week ago, Jessica had them out in the back in the front yard where the grass is, and, and they pick and eat. And they had a little, little, little hamster cage on top of them, right? Hamster cage about this much in between each. And so they're just sitting out there. We're hanging out inside, playing a game. We're having dinner. What are we doing? They're out there first. That's why they're out there with them. We were out there with them, and then we went inside, right? That's right. And then all of a sudden, Jessica looks up from wherever she was, looks out the window to the front yard and sees a giant hawk on top of the cage. So she, you've never seen her move faster. Literally, well, I did because you just moved fast again. But so she like, literally just like took off running. I'm trying to know what's going on. To, into the front yard, just mama bear just like shoes that hawk away. She found this hawk with its talons reaching through the thing, grabbing little Leia. It was, no, it was, it was, it was Leia, right? Because Leia, Princess Leia, Leia, later night. That was me. I, I came up with that name. That was me. And so reached, <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. Leia, come on, let's just take a second. <laughs> come on, is there a better chicken name than Leia? All right. <laughs> and the other one's name's Goldie, right? And so she's got her reaching down claws, talons, and we go back out, and Leia's not, it's just hardly moving. Hardly moving. And the kids are out there, we're just like, and, and we're just like, oh my gosh, and Oh, this is horrible. And, and little Leia, not to get graphics, got a little blood up the side of the head. And so we're just like, we're not sure how bad this is yet. We're waiting for it to move. And then Jessica, Jessica, oh, yeah. <laughs> she's got the um, microphone. Can I just tell? This chicken was dead. I thought it was dead. And my initial thought was because of my experience was death, was that she's gone. So like my past determined my belief in that moment. And she had, well, she had blood coming out of her nose and her eye and she was gasping for breath and just, you know, so I didn't see any puncture wounds, but she wasn't moving. So I put her in her towel. I called the feed barn to to find another chicken because I can't bear to see my kids so upset. And I get off the phone with a feed barn and I'm like, what am I doing? Like we try to command life into Hawk and we didn't see it happen. And because of that, I was partnering with like, she's gone instead of partnering with life which God gave us the authority to partner with. So I'm like, guys, this is what we're going to do. We're going to wrap her in a towel. We're just going to hold her. Let's, come on, show Rabba. We start speaking in tongues. I'm like, we're going to command life back into this chick. I mean, it's gasping. It's a tiny chick. Like, it can't, it's talons, you know? It's bleeding. And so I'm like, no, no. And so we just take authority and we wrap it in a towel and we're praying over her and holding her. And then I'm like, we're just going to put her in the cage. And I think Goldie loving on her and us praying, like she's just going to come too. And she did. And she's totally fine. Totally fine, right? After a day of rest, she started opening her eye that was sealed shut and she started breathing normally and then like nothing happened. Like she's totally fine. She went from not moving to that. So what's the moral of the story thank, here, Jess? Thank you, honey. Thank you. I think we needed that. I'll just be real. I'm glad she grabbed the mic. Honestly, and the heart behind this story, although it's just a great story, um, is... is <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kidding. Um, it, it's the reality is like well, your history will, will, will the, the, the enemy will, it will use your history against you. The enemy will actually use your history, not just against you, but to, for a purpose. And, and if, he, if you're already going to heaven, he's lost that battle. So the only battle left for him is to steal your authority so that you can do no more good on the earth. And so the enemy will literally use your past, use the world around you to steal your authority. Okay. And so, man, praise the Lord. We, 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 we fought that, got it. She's, she's killing it. I have a great family. Um, 
Turn to Matthew 17 if you got your Bibles. Um, we're going to get there in a second. But I just want this is what I want this idea of authority. We can play church. You've probably figured that out by now if you've been saved for any length of time. You can go to church. You can, you can play Christianity. You can put a smile on your face. You can fake it till you make it, all this stuff. But when God has put something in front of you that requires his authority, you find out whether you were playing church or you were the church. Do you get me? I don't know if you guys have come to that place. I've come to that place multiple times, and sometimes I'm winning, and sometimes I'm not. And the I'm not parts, when I command something, it doesn't happen, um, it, it deeply affects me. And it causes me to really run into him and figure out, God, what went wrong? Why was I not able to do the things the Bible says that I can do? Those are big questions. I mean, I know some of you guys have wrestled with this. It's pretty common with, our human, with the humanity of the world around us. Um, I think if we're not in the world, which is why it should feel weird right? And so this idea of authority to me, especially walking into this next season when we're not just called to live it out. So my, my, uh, a guy I know, he's a pastor. He had this great analogy. I loved it. He says, he says, you know, as Christians, we're starting point. The starting point of our Christian faith, the base level is, is peace. We're called to, to, to live in peace. He's the prince of peace. He's the, he's the God of peace. We're called to live in him. So we should, at the very least, as Christians, we should live with peace in our hearts. Amen? right? The peace that transcends understanding, right? So we should live in that place of peace. But that place of peace is like the base camp on the trip to Everest. The, the, the peace is the place that you should be hanging out in, regardless whether you're a new believer or, a, or, I don't know, if you're an older believer, okay? More mature. Peace is our inheritance. It's where we should live. Now, but now, it's, in a, now we follow this Everest thing. We're, the goal of, of climbing Everest is not to hang out in the base camp, right? You're like, I'm going to climb Everest. Really? Like, yeah, I'm going to hang out at the base camp for two weeks. <laughs> Did you climb it? No, but I got peace, right? So it's, it's awesome. I'm glad you have peace, but the goal is not peace. The goal is actually to climb Everest. And if, if, if we were to say the top of Everest is something, I would say the top of Everest is, is our authority as believers to carry out the commission of the gospel, right? That's the call in our lives, to, to defeat the works of the devil. And you can't do that without authority, now, we all have authority. You're never going to get more authority because you have Christ in you. It's his authority through you. You can't gain more of Christ. You can't get more of his presence. You can't get more of him in you, right? You're like, God, more. Get in there. Let me open up more. Get more in me. No, you've, you're full. You are overflowing. It's, it's, but the enemy's plan is to steal what you think you have. He's stealing from you. Jessica had all the authority she needed to raise a chicken from the dead right? But what was the enemy doing? He was trying to steal, steal that authority. How? Just by putting thoughts of unbelief, uh, thoughts of unworthiness, thoughts of my identity is not where it should be to be able to do this. Amen? Do you guys feel me? You guys with me? And so when you're climbing Everest, you know, as you get up there, the, you know, the, what, what's being trying to stolen from your voice, your breath, right? Because the air is thinner. And so you're, you go up Mount Everest to the authority, but all along the way, you have all these environmental issues trying to, well, kill you, right? And so the, that, the goal to authority, oftentimes you have to walk through life and maturity to figure out, to, to really grow in this place of authority. Do, do you get me? So I don't want you to, I don't want to mince words here. The gospel says you have all authority right? 
And so let's not, I don't want you to think I'm saying you're going to get more of Jesus or whatever. But the reality is, if you, if you ever command, I mean, I, I literally was driving home from a hiking trip and there was a, there was a guy, I was literally listening to Chris Overstreet and an evangelist and I was pumped. I was pumped. They're like three hours in of listening to him talk about evangelism. And I'm like, come on, let's go. I'm going back to Reading and I'm about to, I'm about to preach and we're going to see some people get saved. And in the middle of nowhere, I come across this accident. There was a, there was a motorcyclist that was laid out on the ground and about four or five people without four cars. And I remember thinking to myself, this is my moment, God. I'm going to raise the dead. And so I pull up and I get out and I run up to this person and, and they're all like crowding around and they're like, is he moving? No, he's dead. We've already called the, the ambulance. I'm like, okay, all right, here we go. Here we go. Jesus, Jesus, in your name, Father, I command life. And I just, I literally prayed every prayer I could, every prayer I could think about. I started praying in tongues. I, I didn't sing over, the, over him, but I, I probably could have. And I was just praying. And I was like, God, this is gonna happen. I've got so much faith in me. And I didn't see him get up. And eventually the paramedics came after a uh, amount of time and, and um, I had to leave. But I, th- I remember these, part, these parts of praying for God to show up and do what he said he does. And I remember something not happening. Um, and I, to me, I think, you know, we, we, can, we can ignore it and, and go on to the next song. Um, or we can ask the question, God, what's going on? How do I get authority? And so I want to talk about authority a little bit, but I want to talk about one of the big keys I feel like I've learned in, through some of the mentors in my life is authority comes through fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. Everybody say fasting. fasting. Okay, I know. I feel like we say fasting. We're like, oh, dang. Oh, dang. Listen, we have never preached on fasting in four and a half years at Presence. I'm just going to put that in perspective, all right? So don't think I'm like a broken record here. <laughs> I am not the one to preach on fasting. Um, I, I think my history, I'll, tell you, I'll share my history in a little bit. But I want to, I want to read Matthew, uh, um, Matthew 17. Oh, did I bring it out? I did. No, I didn't. Oh, I need my Bible. Oh, thanks, love. Okay, Matthew 17. Okay, and um, we're going to start with, um, I have it there, 14, verse 14. You guys okay? We good? Come on. This is, this is a powerful Sunday. I, I'm excited. Okay, so right before this, you're right before the beginning of chapter 17, Jesus and, and, and a few disciples go up to the, on this mountain. Uh, we call it the Mount Transfiguration. He goes up there and Moses and Elijah show up from the dead. And the disciples are like, whoa, what's going on? He gets clothed in light. His disciples get nervous. You remember, and they try to pitch some tents. This is good for us to be here. All that story. And they start coming back down. Okay, and, and, and so when he talks, and so verse 14, when they came to the crowd, so Jesus and his, new, and his disciples, they're returning and they're meeting back up with their disciples. So if you don't know the story, I just want to fill you in. And they're meeting back up with disciples that were left down at the bottom of the mountain, okay? I don't want to be those disciples. I want to be the ones going up the mountain uh, and coming back and telling about the glowing Jesus. Um, but these guys were left at the bottom. I don't know why. And it says, when they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and is very ill. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, 
you unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And you got to remember, his disciples, in their mind, they have all this authority, right? In their mind, they've seen crazy miracles. And they come across this one that didn't work the way they thought. And so when Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out, and the boy was cured at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and <laughs> said, uh, hey, Jesus, why, why couldn't we drive him out? Why couldn't we drive the demon out? And he said, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And then a lot of translations say this, actually a a handful. Some do not because they just think that it it didn't fit in the way they were putting the Bible together. Um, And it says in verse 21, it says, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And a lot of translations say except by prayer. And so by fasting is put in there. Did Jesus, did Jesus pray for the boy or command the, or command the demon? He commanded. So he didn't really pray, did he? Did, did Jesus stop and, and declare a fast before he declared? No, he didn't. So he says this only comes out by prayer and fasting, and he did neither, and then did it. Right? So this might be not new for some of you guys, but I just want to bring everybody along with us, right? So, so here, this is such a beautiful place here. And so what's going on here? He, Jesus saying, prayer and fasting, bam, let's do this. What happened? I believe, and I, this is what I, and I love this, is that Jesus was actually pulling on a history that he had with prayer and fasting. That he didn't, he didn't need to pray and fast in that moment because he had cultivated a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. And so we've been hitting prayer pretty hard in the past probably a month and a half off and on. And, and I want to just hit on, on fasting today. This idea of fasting is, is let's keep going. I, I don't I got to stick to my notes. Otherwise, we go too long. Okay. <laughs> and so let's, um, why don't you turn to, um, oh, where am I? Uh, Matthew 4. And I'll just say this, that Jesus, um, Jesus had a history of fasting. There's a lot of stuff we, he doesn't talk about. Um, one, probably because he tells people not to talk about their fasts, right? And yet that we know about a couple of them in the Bible. In verse, uh, chapter 4 is one of the fasts that Jesus did. Um, verse, uh, Matthew 4, verse 1 through 4, this is when Jesus was baptized um, and he was inaugurated as the Son of God in front of everybody as my son. And then he gets sent out with the Holy Spirit into the desert okay, into the desert. And it says this, it says, Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. Selah, right? Like, so that's what time, so if you're hungry before 40 days, you're not like Jesus. Okay, it's after 40 days, you're allowed to start getting hungry. I knew I was fasting wrong, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> this is so funny. And then he became hungry. I don't get, what do you mean? Then, and the tempter came, saying the tempter came. And he came after the 40 days. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, if, say if. If, if you are the son of God, right? Are you really, are you really his son? If you are the son of God, command these stones become bread. 
But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on the very word that comes out of the mouth of God. Now, Jesus says, man will not live on bread alone. What is bread? But a natural means for us to be sustained, right? What is bread, right? And so what I, what I, I, think, I think Jesus is a beautiful moment here where Jesus says, listen, I don't live by the natural things of the world, but on the very word of God that comes from him. And so there's a, there's a very spiritual place where Jesus says, listen, I get all of my strength from him. And so, yes, we have to eat. We're, we're, we're beings that require food. Praise the Lord. Sweet food, great food, yummy food. But it, it is not what sustains us. It's not what brings us. So Jesus made this beautiful thing. Is listen, my strength to resist you did not come from the natural things of life, but it came from the spiritual places that I cultivated in my fasting and my time with the Father. Amen? Amen. So it's, it's fasting that actually, I really believe this, that fasting is one of the massive elements in authority. And one of the reasons why I think most of us, I say us, most of the church, I say us, the church, big, big C, big church, um, aren't walking in the authority that we want to see. There's a few things. One, I don't think we actually put his authority to test, put his authority to the test very often. Okay. So if you want to see more people get healed, try praying for more people. All right, I'm not impressed with the two people you didn't see get healed when you come crying to me like, God doesn't heal. I'm like, how many? No, go. <laughs> John, John Wimber, we would come to him. He'd say, go pray for 100 people. Come back and we'll have the conversation. Wow. Right? That's how I got into healing. My, my pastor said, what, go, how do I get healing? He says, go pray for people. <laughs> and I did it until I saw enough crazy miracles to finally like, get it through my thick skull that God heals people. Right, I'm, I'm I'm just trial and error guy, and so I so but so that's one area of authority. Just go try it out more. Try out this authority. But the other side of it is, I really believe this. It's the things of the world will try to come in and steal your authority, and it comes in the form of stealing your identity, stealing what your your, your beliefs, um, lying to you. And so we believe these lies. Why do we believe these lies? Because the world has become so real and beautiful to us, and so fasting actually denies us. It denies us, it denies the world entrance into our spirit. See, I believe Jesus walking through fasting was preparing for the battle. And that's what I felt God calling us to do. And I want to tell you, I'm not going to call us to a fast after today. All right? I think a lot of people, they preach on fasting. They say, we're going on a fast. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. I think the church is already motivated by holiday fast too many times where we fast based on, uh, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. Let's go on. All right, examples, sorry, I'm I'm fired up. All right, examples. I want to bring, I I just love context. I love, I want to talk about John Wesley, 17, he lived in the early 1700s. John Wesley, revivalist. He started the Methodist denomination, okay? Which was actually way more radical then. Like John Wesley would preach and people would fall out of trees, right? And so like in his community, John Wesley's communities formed this group they called the Holy Club. Say Holy Club. Holy Club. You start that group, I'm in, all right? If one of you guys wants to start it, let's go. Holy Club, all right? <laughs> they fasted every week. Never mind, I don't want to go. They fasted every week together as a community, training themselves. Say training. training. Training themselves to walk in the fullness of all that God had for them in their generation. Come on, that's powerful. Charles Finney, you guys know who he is? Early 1800s, early prepared for revivals. He would do these crazy, Charles Finney was a wild man, all right? Like, dude, wild man. Don't read his books. 
Don't, <laughs> they will ruin you, all right? But he was a wild man. He would walk into um, warehouses and literally walk through the aisles of the people working on machines and they would just start weeping under the conviction of the Holy Spirit as he would walk through, their, uh, through the warehouse. And so the, one of the stories is, in, um, is that he would, he would prepare for these, these revivals in the cities by sending and organizing teams to pray and fast and spread the word before he arrived. His prayer warrior, Daniel Nash, went in before him for a few weeks or even months to pray fast and prepare the fallow ground for the seeds that were about to be sown. Finney became known as the father of modern revivalism. That would be like, um, we hear Saturate. You guys remember Saturate was going off on the beaches. It was beautiful. It was awesome. That would be like, that would be like uh, you know, the Anzos and I, we go, to, we, go to, we go like a month ahead of time and we sit, we sit under, under Lifeguard Tower 20 and we fast and pray for a month before we ever have Saturate. Who's doing that? Who's doing that? I just... I get excited. I'm not trying to live in the past, but I get excited about taking these things that, that, act, that created massive outpourings and doing them in our time today. Like, what would happen? I don't know. I'm getting excited. Guys like David Hogan. David Hogan is a current man alive right now. He's, he's down in Mexico. Have you guys never heard of David Hogan? He is one of the most crazy. Just Google him. He literally had a call with the Pentagon like a year ago, and it was a, it's a radical YouTube video, all right? And so, anyway, so, but he's literally there in Mexico in the jungles with the cartels and witches and shape-shifting shamans. It's real, all right? And I'm not going to share stories because I'll lose you guys. But, but he, his team, his whole team and his family fast every other day. Why? Because when he goes to meetings, they have sniper rifles pointed on him. When he goes to meetings, they have, uh, they, they literally are risking their lives in the Muslim villages in the middle of nowhere and these Native American villages and the shaman, the witch doctors. And so he knows that it's, it's, it literally he can't do what he does. He doesn't, he can't walk in the authority without fasting and praying consistently. Um. I want to talk about, get a little practical. So, that, you know, what are, one of the reasons for fasting, and honestly, I don't want to go deep into fasting. Like, I'd, I'd probably bring Lou Engle in here, and he would, he'd be on a water fast um, while he's speaking. Nine times out of ten, he'd be fasting, um, and he, he would, his voice would be scratchy, and he would just go, look, come on, let's go. <laughs> Lou Engle. So I'm just dropping names, because it's my history. Like, I, we used to be part of a prayer, like Mike and I, that's how we met. We were going, we, we, we were part of the group that we started, this house of prayer in San Diego, where we just pra- fasted and prayed all the time. I was in the, I was in the military and I would fast and, and I, I would be made fun of in the Navy. They'd be like, where'd he go, sir? You're disappearing on us. Like, because I was so skinny from fasting <laughs> that I couldn't take my shirt off in front of anybody, everybody because they would just razz me because I was just so dang skinny. Like, that's how you met me. <laughs> She's not in it for these anymore, right? Like, she, she was in it for my heart. I know this. <laughs> for the sake of time, I'm going to move a little bit <laughs> this stuff. I just love this stuff. See, fasting, I love what Heidi Baker says. She says, I don't, I don't fast to get stuff from God. I don't fast to twist his arm. I don't fast because I think if I fast, he'll do more for me. 
I fast so that I get hungry for him. I fast so that my heart is hungry for his nearness, for his closeness. Fasting will literally, it will, it will it, by, by way of denying your flesh, by denying your flesh of the things it craves, your spirit gets strong. Your spirit, I was going to read a bunch of Romans, you know, it's pretty, you know, just, just literally your spirit is built up when you fast. Why? Because fasting is hard. Fasting is hard. It requires self-control. It requires you to actually say no to the things that are good in this life for the sake of growing deeper in relationship with him. And that's where, in, that's where your authority actually is. Your authority is not in works and, and acts and, and when, when you understand more about who he is. If I read my Bible, I have more authority. No, authority comes from knowing him deep inside your bones that when I say, peace be still to the storm, there's no waiting period, right? And so fasting partners us with God. In, in Acts, it talks about how they fasted to get wisdom. It says, they set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called for them. Then after they had fasted and prayed and placed their hands on them, they sent them off. Acts 14, it says, the elders, they appointed elders for them in various churches. With prayer and fasting, they entrusted them to the protection of the Lord in whom they believed. They would gather and they fast and pray for these big decisions. Why? Because they wanted to make sure, I believe, I believe they wanted to make sure that their thoughts and their minds were singular with his, that they weren't being, um, they weren't being uh, deterred or pulled by their fleshly desires, right? And so they would always be fasting to make sure that their spirit was fully aligned with God's spirit. And so just a few things. So fasting... Fasting makes us hungry for God and his move in our life. It, it literally draws you near to him because it creates a void in your belly. For me, when I fast, I, like, I, I get closer to God only because all I'm thinking about is food. And so I'm saying, well, I'm, I must be fasting, so I should probably spend this time actually sowing into my relationship with him. So I don't think it works if, you, if you're thinking about food and then you just go, like, go do something else to stop thinking about food. Like, use that place of hunger to draw near to him. Fasting builds up our spirit. It denies the worldly desires um, by activating our self-control. Fasting partners us with God for wisdom, those, those verses in Acts. Fasting contains a reward. It actually is a reward in fasting. Matthew 6, 18 or 17. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others when you are fasting, but only to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Isn't that cool? Well, brother, we don't do stuff for reward. I'm just saying what the Bible says. Like he wants to reward you. He's a good father. And when you fast and you don't make it about all I'm doing out in front, look at me, I'm fasting. He wants to reward you. What's the reward? Watch the next episode. See what happens. I don't know. Like, come on. Now, I want to end this. I will say this. The other side of this coin, I, just because it's the way I think, I think of like, well, what about, well, what about, what, what about? And so I think about, well, what about, what about how fasting can make us feel self-righteous that we're doing something for God? Look at me. I'm fasting. I'm pretty holy. You should be like me. <laughs> I know Jesus way more than you do because I'm fat. No, that's trash, right? So don't do that. Don't do it. 
It's not complicated. Just fix your heart. If you feel you're fasting for the wrong reasons, either stop or repent and keep fasting. It's not complicated. It's not religious. Just this is relation. If you're fasting to get close to him, you realize your heart's is out of place. Well, just take a second. Gosh, I'm so sorry, Father. My heart, I really wanted to be in the right place. It wasn't. I didn't realize that till right now because you told me that. I'm so sorry. Would you forgive me? Oh, thank you, God. I just come into your presence full of grace, boldly before the throne. Let's do this fast. I don't know what it looks like for you. So fast can also be a place where we, we, we feel like we're bending God's arm, right? Well, I, I want this to happen. Let's, pr- let's fast so that this happens, right? And so we're going to fast so something happens. Like, well, doesn't you all want it to happen? Like, and you got, here's the part, honestly, where my intelligence kind of fails me is I see in history of people fasting for healing and fasting for, for things to show up. And I can't help but think, there's a precedence of it working. Does that make sense? And so on one hand, I, I don't want to try to bend God's arm, right? Like if, you, if you're here sitting here worshiping and you want to, you start worshiping louder because you want to show God that you really mean it, like, God, I really love you. I'm just going to worship louder. Like, no, he just, he just, he knows you love him. You don't have to put on anything. You don't have to be something for him. And so, so just check your heart. Are you, worship, are you trying to get him to do something so that for some not good, not heart-driven reason? So that, that's another thing just be careful of. And then lastly, you know, the Pharisees, uh, you know, there's a story about the Pharisee and the tax collector. And the Pharisee said, look at me, I fast twice a week. And Jesus rebukes him and he says, i and so, don't, you know, we don't, we don't want to fast because it's what religious people do. We don't want to fast because we want to, we want to make sure people know that we're a spirit-filled Christian. We fast, like, right? Like, come on, you've never thought that. But, but it's, you know, it's like we try to lord over, you know, some other denomination that we somehow have found fault with, trash. And so, and so, <laughs> I'm just being real. And so, <laughs> so don't, and if you feel yourself moving into a religiosity about it, you know, even the idea of um, religiously fasting, well, I fast every Monday, I fast every Tuesday. Check your heart, right? Check your heart. Is this just, is this something you're doing and you've lost the joy of it at some point? You've lost the heart behind it. Stop doing it. Get the joy back and then do it again if you want. Right? That's why just giving just, for the, just to be religious about it is not what he calls us to do. He says, be a joyful giver. Why? Because as soon as religion steps in and the grace steps out, you've literally made your giving to no avail. And so let's, let's, let's fast from the right heart with joy in our hearts. Amen? So here's what I want to say. I, I wanna, my, my heart for this isn't that we all go on 40-day fasts. I, I believe the fast that I feel like God's calling, that, that he wants the body to do. Um, I just feel like I want to get back to this. So I'm going to preach on it and hopefully it, it changes something in us. I believe the fast, the, the, the fast of having a lifestyle of fasting is, is to me actually produces way, I got to be careful because I hate absolutes because it's, it's, there's so much gray in this. <laughs> Here's my, my heart is that we would learn to fast as a lifestyle. Can I say that? And so maybe you feel a 40-day fast coming on, and maybe you feel a 21-day or a two-day or a one-day. Um, I want to encourage, I want to challenge you guys. Find a day of the week that you could fast. And, 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 and maybe, you pray, maybe you fast every other week, 
one day. Maybe you fast, maybe, maybe it's the first Monday of the month. I fast that day. I set it aside for God where I just pray and I, and I, and I, I worship. You know, maybe it's twice a week. Um, I don't know what God's gonna call you to, but I encourage you, get with him and ask him, God, what, would you, what, would, what could we do together? What would you have me do? Because fasting, like I said, it, it destroys the flesh around you, right? I, I had this weird analogy in my head as I was preparing of my son, August's snake, because we've been talking about chicken. So August has a snake, a little corn snake. It still kind of freaks me out, but I like it a lot. But he just molted. He just, he just stripped all the skin off. And, and I, I believe that fasting, fasting helps us strip off the old skin. I think that fasting, the word, honestly, your flesh is sanctified, right? So there's no battle between you and your flesh. That would be a house divided and it can't stand. So God saved your flesh. Paul actually says, cherish your flesh, nurture it. But I do believe that the world, your old nature is like that old skin, and I believe fasting and I believe prayer and pursuing him in other ways with our disciplines actually causes that old flesh to come off you so that you're left free with all the authority of Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. So let me pray for us. Um, I don't know if this has touched some of you guys' hearts. Um, if, if you just know you're not in a place to start fasting, I get it. I want to also say practically, fasting could be literally, I eat one meal a day when I fast right? That, that's an easy way to get, like, I just, I, I fast the whole day until dinner, right? A lot of people I know, a lot of leaders in my life fast once a week or whatever, and, it, and they fast and, until dinner. You could do that. You could just fast on vegetables, and you could deny yourself some of the, uh, the deeper, some of the real yummy foods or something like that, right? Some of the real meat and the, the good stuff. Um, you could fast no sugar. You, if, and if and a food is a, is a sensitive topic for you, which it can be for some people, if food is sensitive and you're like wrestling with food and weight and stuff like that, fast something like social media, like media period. Like literally leave your phone at home for two days. Um, so I don't know what it looks like for you. I, honestly, I encourage you to be creative. Don't get religious about it. In the Bible, it is mostly around food and, and drink and it's around types of food and stuff. But um, I think God honors the heart behind what you're going after. Amen. All right, let me pray for us. Father, Father, I thank you for this journey, God, of growing in authority, the journey to the top of the mountain, Father. Lord, no one here, I know after today's worship, God, no one here is comfortable hanging out in the base camp, shaking hands and, and, and toasting hot chocolate, Father. We are, we are passionate to ascend the hill, God. We are passionate to go after the souls of this nation. Father, we are passionate to see justice in our, in our government, God. We are passionate to see you have your reward. And so I pray, I pray that we can, we can tell somebody else someday, brother, this only came out through prayer and fasting, and then we have it come out. I pray that we can be like Christ in that and tell others, brother, you, you need to have a lifestyle of fasting. Let me teach you and show you the way. So Father, disciple us. Disciple us, lead us, teach us. We, we do not want to do, we don't want to pick and choose and cherry pick about, about the things that you did because they're more comfortable for us, God. But Lord, purify us, refine us so that we would do all the things that you do with the effectiveness that you do them. Woo, come on and <laughs> say Jesus. Jesus, amen, amen, awesome. Thanks for sitting through that. It went a little longer than I wanted to, but... Um, Appreciate you guys. Uh, appreciate you guys. Are, we're on this journey together. And, uh, it, feels, it feels like a, a tribe more than ever these days.
And I love that. I love that. Amen. Hey, if you're part of the prayer team, come on up here. Um, we love to pray for you, see a miracle, um, get a word of God over you. These guys are just Holy Spirit ninjas, and, and they want to they wanna see God do something. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.